bro, we gotta do some controversial stuff so you guys can do. That's that's the goal. I think. Well, I'm not. I'm not allowed to be controversial, and uh, my apparently my sense of humor is not good enough for for Aaron now these days. Oh, I got a topic yeah. too from my boss. No, we just work. don't want you inter. We just don't want you interrupting our guests. That's all it is. Well, I interrupt and I ask questions. Like you know, like if you actually got off your ass and did some work once in a while, like I wouldn't have to do that. I see how it's going. You gotta do the podcast standing from now on. You gotta get off your ass, man. Standing I can't do that. <laughs> if I didn't have a laptop, I'd do it. Unfortunately, here I am sitting. Um, so I guess I guess we should start this thing officially. Uh, Let's get the it. Choking Hazard Podcast. We're officially sponsored by. Should we announce the sponsors now or later, Aaron? You can announce them now. Put first things up. first. Well, I want to ask you, Mike. Do you take any supplements? What kind no, of supplements do you take? I'm not taking any supplements right now. You're not taking anything right now. Well, if you ever decide, I would suggest getting uh, some protein from CanadianProtein.com. You can use promo code Choke. Get yourself 10% off. Nice. <laughs> Unfortunately, the protein will not fix Aaron's receding hairline. But with that said, you're going to get some sick gains. 10% off. Use the promo code Choke on when you cash out and you can uh, save some money and help out the podcast and support it. We're also officially sponsored as of today by Project X-Guard. Our boy Raul Chavez. Uh, We had a really good podcast on him. If you haven't uh, given that a listen yet, go check that one out. He goes into the entire life story. Like, why why uh project art x guard why is the man he is today he talks about like jujitsu and how it's it's helped him and he's trying to give back to the community and helping a lot of at-risk youth so we're we're currently working with him um you can check him out on instagram as well and give us a follow and if you think uh jujitsu can positively impact somebody in your lives reach out to us and we'll get you connected with him he's a man he is the man. Uh, we have Michael Sheehan on tonight. The man, the myth, the legend. How are you doing tonight? Chilling, man. Good. How are you guys? Oh, we're good, man. Um, I wanted to kind of talk with you because, like, I've been seeing all the stuff that you've been pushing out on social media lately, especially with private training, keeping things going with COVID-19, and then just keeping up the competition trail as much as you can. So I know you're probably trying to prep for something, but how have things been going so far? Man, it's uh, it's funny. I'm not actually really getting ready for any tournaments right now. No, uh, no. Are you retired like us? <laughs> not retired, <laughs> but like I, I'm not trying to quarantine for two weeks. Uh, I don't really see. I don't know. I'm not trying to do that. So I'm I'm down to kind of take a little break from competing until it's all wrapped up. Make sure I can, you know, get some new clientele for privates and uh, make some money too. So that's all in the works. Still happening now. Hola, got a job. <laughs> working. <laughs> well you you were working before right like were you working like behind the scenes like teaching like doing like teaching classes helping out like what oh were you, yeah you doing yeah. before to kind of support yourself no yeah i was doing all that before but now i have a full-time job as well so well, what are you doing full-time now so i'm working in a in a the theatrical business i mean i guess it's the movie business i'm working on movie sets like in different departments like paint or construction just uh, moving stuff around and laboring basically, but it's a union gig and I get to see movie sets or TV show sets and uh, that's nice. Is there any like, behind nice. the scenes, like anything that you've worked on that you're allowed to tell us about or? Yeah, the first, so I've been working in this, uh, this union for like maybe like seven years, but 
it's like essentially the best part-time job you can get in Toronto, but it's part-time because um, you're only working as long as there's a show or as long as the, the movie is like getting shot for, you know? So the first thing I ever did was Suicide Squad. I got to work in the uh, oh, wardrobe nice. department and I got to see like all the costumes and see some of the, uh, not the actors, but like the extras, like getting make, uh, makeup on them and shit. So every once in a while I get to see some cool stuff, but for the most part, it's, uh, it's nothing, there's no glory to it, man. It's just like a regular job. Gotcha. Have you ever done like, um, had to go like Cinespace up in like Etobicoke or kind of that North Toronto uh, film studio at all or? Yeah, so the last two weeks, well, before this week, the last two, I was uh, in Kipling. So there's a, there's a studio up there. I think the main studios are like Pinewood Studios, kind of on the bottom of the DVP. But right now I'm in, uh, what is it, like East York. There's a, a feature film being shot there. Some weird horror film. Okay, excellent. So have you kind of like found time to still train, do these things, or are you just kind of sticking more with like just privates right now? Mostly I'm doing privates. Uh, it's good because a lot of the private students I teach um, give me good training as well. And like I said, like there's no tournaments coming up for me. And uh, especially with like a couple of recent incidents, I'm not really interested in like going balls to the wall training or, or risking getting the Roni or anything like that. So <laughs> the Roni. I'm just kinda, Roni. That's a new one. I haven't heard that yet. The, the Roni Rona, bro. So if you don't mind us like prying a little bit, like, can you elaborate on like some of those incidences or like what, what's, what's happened the last like few weeks? Uh, I think everything you can, you can, uh, you can see on like Josh's uh, Facebook. A lot of what happened was uh, uh, basically we had an incident where one of the instructors uh, works at a nightclub and they, uh, I think the nightclub had something where they may have had like a positive case that they didn't disclose. Then uh, oh. they worked like the next day. Mm. Felt some symptoms, probably a couple of days after that, and got tested and was positive. So everything was shut down to keep everybody safe. And thankfully it was contained. So good shit. Yeah. So what's the, if you like, what's the process? Cause like, let, let's be honest, like it was a matter of time before something like this happened, like just based on, you know, people training, like jujitsu, like you, at the end of the day, like you're going to be interacting with people. If yeah, you're for sure. Training, right. So like, what's the process with, uh, like kind of like isolating it? Like, what do you do? Like how, like action, like action plan, like how do you, how do Me you personally or, or like, are you talking about trying to Jay? A bit of both, actually. I just like to see, like, just to get ideas. Because, like, for example, like, me and Aaron, like, we work in a big gym. We work in a big facility. And let's be honest, with hundreds of people going in and out of there in the day. You never know what they're doing, eh? Like, they could be messing around, like, clubbing or, or partying and stuff like that. I mean, I think, like, there's no real way to, like, minimize a risk completely. Um, but I think... As far as it goes, like, I think we can do our very best. And at least we should have some kind of regulation set. But they shouldn't be too strict because it, it doesn't uh, incentivizing people to train privately or, like, train underground. And none of those guys are worrying about, like, their, their temperature or, like, none of them are getting tested. None of them are sweating any of that shit. So, you know, like, I think it's, it's better to have it maybe a little looser at a gym rather than have people just in basements with no no like air ventilation just going yeah. off so with like 20 people like just get at and some exactly. bolo, bolo basement just hanging out training shooting these shit. guys are doing two days in basements and that's not 
it's not too nice. <laughs> yeah, so so you're almost saying it's like let the clubs open up, have re- regulations, and have people back training rather than having them shut down completely, and then people just doing whatever they want. Yeah, I mean, um, barring any any major like outbreaks, I think what we're doing so far and as as a community in Ontario is pretty safe. And uh, yeah, so I, I think like we should be able to train within a social bubble. I don't know what that number should be, like four, six, eight, ten. I have no idea. But these guys are doing it elsewhere or off hours at certain academies. I know 400 days isn't really not like doing much of that at all. But um, it's happening. So mm-hmm. wouldn't you rather have it happen where they can do some contact tracing and, you know, like make it more official. And if, if something should happen, uh, you want someone that's willing to go to like Toronto Public Health Services instead of just like, ah, fuck it, I'm gonna, fuck it, YOLO. I think I think you brought up a very important point. It, you know, if you if you have, it's kind of like prohibition of like alcohol. I was even thinking of that. So it's like, okay, well, you can have a drink at like a you know some unregulated place and yeah. you know what's going on or you can have you know or you know you can go to like you know the gym that you always train at and go hey okay like here's some like really basic rules uh why don't you stick to a group of like let's say like four people you mm-hmm. guys all train together um if like just train with each other just for the time being and then from there as this thing you know as this thing starts to die down more then we can explore other options i think that's the best way to honestly approach it right now yeah, and there's, there's still no, like, sports-specific guidelines. I mean, uh, tons of gyms are doing it different ways, and I don't think um, there's anything, like, too uh, – I don't even know personally. I could be wrong, but I don't think there's anything too, uh, too cutting out there to, like, make sure it's, like, one way. So I know there's different interpretations of uh, the guidelines in general, and gyms are operating in accordance to what they interpreted, like. So I don't know. Hopefully uh, it continues to get better. Yeah, we talked to a lot of people as well, because I think they, you talk to, like, I talked to Fernando, for example, like a while ago, and like, he would talk to like one, Boa Fernando, shout out. So I talked to him and he, it's frustrating, I think, as a gym owner going to like, let's say like Toronto Public Health and like, he would talk to five different people about, hey, like, this is what I want to do to, you know, regulate like opening the gym and everything. And then he would get five different answers. Yeah, so like, but I think the OJA or CJA or maybe both. They're, they're, I think they're working right now on getting something going and um, hopefully loosening restrictions and stuff. So hopefully that happens and then everyone can kind of be on the same page because right now I think it's it's pretty. I mean, like no one's doing anything crazy. I don't think. Um, but yeah, like, everyone's kind of doing their own thing. Mm-hmm. So obviously kind of like working and going on the movie sets, for example, is like, how are they doing it? Are they keeping you guys tested every day or is it just kind of like Not daily? Um, yeah. And it's kind of different, like show to show. I was working on a uh, handmade tale and they were okay. testing us twice a week. Um, I think like Monday and Thursday. Okay. And since there's such a high volume of people, like they would uh, only call you if you're positive. So gotcha. I, we had no positive cases on any of the shows I've been on, but it's just kind of freaky, like just waiting for a call or knowing that if you brought a call and it says Toronto Public Health, like you might just be fucked. Hmm. But this second show um, is uh, testing me once a week. And as far as like guidelines go, we have to fill out um, the 
uh, the Canadian COVID. There's like there's an app, right? So we go on the app, yeah, yeah, yeah. we fill out a self-assessment and uh, submit that to whoever's working. They take our temperature, they look at the assessment, they uh, write our name down, and uh, we wear PPE all day. Gotcha. Not that bad. How's that COVID test? Do you like it? Are you used to it now? Or uh, man, it's not. It's not the deep one. It's pretty shallow. Okay. <laughs> it's just the tip. It's just oh, wait, the I'm, not to, I'm not allowed to make those. I'm not allowed to make those jokes either. I got a talking to. Sorry. Go ahead. It's just a light nasal probe. It's all you know. And it's uh, a light nasal probing. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes the the Q-tip is like extra thin and it tickles my nose hairs. Uh, I just cry like almost every time I just water up. <laughs> but you know, you get that, that gentle touch and it's so It was beautiful. <laughs> yeah. So like, so like in your, in your line of work, like you, you get tested pretty regularly. I want to ask you, like, is there anything that you've seen, like just bring, like going back to jujitsu, like, is there anything like regulation wise that you would like to see, like, I don't know, the government of Ontario, the government of Canada, or like even like local gyms, like anything other, anything else to help kind of either loosen restrictions or just to like, you know, like, Hey, let's get back to what we're doing, but not be stupid about it either. Uh, man, I don't know. I think um, these questionnaires that the last two shows have had me fill out are uh, pretty good. I think the Canada one, the COVID app, uh, that self-assessment is pretty loose. It's like four questions. Symptoms here, symptoms there. Did you get your temperature tested? Have you received results recently from a test? But uh, the other show, the TV show, was uh, like a private company's app. And it was pretty, um, I think it was like 10 questions that ask you if you've been in contact with anyone who got it or you know different stuff like that and as long as people are honest I think that's a good move I don't really know what else we can do um but yeah like just being honest and if you have been in contact with someone or if you're experiencing symptoms just be honest and hopefully like your workplace and everyone understands you won't like lose too much pain if any at all and we can bounce back if you guys want to like hide everything and then like sneak around and act like you're, you're healthy, uh, you know, God forbid you get your parents sick or, or someone you, you care about sick and they're not as healthy as you are. So just trying to be careful, I guess, honestly. Mm -hmm. It's mostly the people in Brampton, I think. It's all them. Those weddings. I, I, I moved out. Like I, that, that place is a cesspool. Where are you living now, bro? I'm in Vaughn, man. Oh. I'm on the, I'm on the, the south side of seven. Nice. Shout out to the south side of seven. That's the that's the dark side of Vaughn. South seven. Yeah. yeah. South Vaughn's gonna seven. get renamed soon, so it doesn't yeah. matter. For, what? Uh, it's gonna be I don't know. Of, they're gonna rename it. I think I think they're gonna rename it to Woodbridge. Because like there's an area of Vaughn that they call Woodbridge. I think yeah. it's that's gonna be the new name because apparently yeah. so, what's up? So Mike, I wanted to talk to you. So like you just launched a new website. Mm -hmm. So we saw it very briefly. It looks awesome. There you go. Right. It looks awesome. So tell me about it. Like, how did that come into fruition? How did you decide this is okay? This is what I want to do. What's up? Uh, well, my sister, uh, she built a site for me. She had uh, experience building other websites and her site's awesome as well. I think it's uh, girlswhofight.com. So for her business of uh, self-defense and, and uh, women's self-defense, stuff like that, she built a, an amazing site and she's learning about, um, what's the term? Uh, uh, search engine something okay. SEO search engine optimization yeah optimization there you go yeah there so you go been learning about that and 
you know, I always wanted to keep it looking like more and more professional as uh, the clientele was growing. So I made sure to make it look nice. And I knew she was, um, you know, getting a lot of knowledge on that because she'd spend a lot of time building her site and making it better and making it look really, really nice. And she just offered it. Uh, I think she offered it. I don't think I asked, but uh, I was like, hell yeah. Like, let's, let's make a website and throw some stuff up there. And it's going to end up being some pretty cool stuff. I have some cool ideas for it. Okay. And so, and how did you even like start getting into training jujitsu? Like, how did that all start? Man, uh, I guess uh, the first thing I did was Muay Thai, and I, I just I would see jujitsu like after Muay Thai and thought it was just like ridiculous. And uh, <laughs> it was like a super small Muay Thai gym. Um, and what's how, the, uh, sorry, what's the name of that gym? Oh, sorry, I did something else that I, I wasn't allowed to do, and that's interrupt guests. <laughs> what's the name of that gym give him give him a shout out you're canceled bro i'm gonna meet you um, it was umac so greg king was teaching there at the time oh vvv uh, bro by my v oh it's strong grips bro <laughs> you started under the legendary greg king the legend bro it was actually good instruction uh, for what i for what i was uh what level i was at and he kept it fun but anyways um it was a gym like two-minute walk from my mom's house and my sister had been bothering me a non-stop to try it because I was like some pretty loudmouth kid and I would get into uh, not fights but like trouble like if people talk shit to me I, uh, I would talk right back and my sister's like two years older so I went to a high school where the, the group of guys that were her age kind of like to harass me and stuff like that and I would always be like you know talking shit back and standing up for myself and eventually um uh, I was visiting friends with me at another high school and people tried to like jump me and they didn't get anything. I didn't have anything worth it anyways. But after that, I was like, all right, like fine. Like let's, let's see about this Muay Thai. So I did Muay Thai. I thought it was pretty cool. Like, you know, kicking people and stuff. That's fun for like a kid, like 15, I think it was. Then I saw like uh, Jiu Jitsu. These guys are in pajamas, like hip escaping, doing back rolls. I'm like, what kind of nonsense is this? Like, how could that possibly be effective? And then he had Greg in the mix too. And he's like, bro, come train, bro. You're going to be good, bro. And I was like, oh my God. Got strong I'm grips. We're going to do that ever. <laughs> You're going to be so good, bro. I don't know. Just trying to fire me up, I guess. And uh, eventually I tried it and I still, I still really didn't enjoy it for probably like for six months. I was just kind of being, because I thought I was going to do MMA. You're going to be a UFC fighter, bro. You're going to train UFC. Yeah, UFC, bro. Always. Bro, bro, UFC. You should come train some UFC, bro. Like, <laughs> honestly, right now, I'd say pound for pound, the best uh, Greg King impression is Ricardo Edmonton. Oh, yeah. No, you had <laughs> I haven't heard it, actually. At all. Oh, you nailed it. Like, I thought mine was decent, but, like, his is just, his is like, I, I feel like I was. Oh, we lost Mike. Mike. Mike, we lost you. We lost you. You know, oh, audio he got canceled finally. No more interrupting. I, I know. No more interruptions. I think you muted yourself. You either muted yourself or something. This guy. I don't know. Nope. Nothing. Try again. Try again. You're muted. No. no take your headphones out, bro. <laughs> take your headphones out. Jamie, man. Where's Jamie? We need Jamie. I don't know. Jamie's not here right now. <laughs> Jamie's in Texas. <laughs> Jamie. This is a problem. Like when it's a it's an individual stream, you have your own problems. So I can't fix it. <laughs> okay, it's okay. We can edit that out, you know? 
Maybe not. Right, it, it, that's uh, why we don't do. That's why we don't do these live uh, anymore. I think we should leave that in. It makes it makes it more raw. Yeah, more raw. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, Ricardo has the, the Greg King accent down pat. You were saying? Yes, he does. He is like probably the most spot on impression I've ever heard of him. He's, he's like, bro, I'm still stuck on the 401. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> no, he's always talking about the fucking 401, bro. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is you know in his defense it is one of the busiest highways in north america so i will give him that but you know like you get a 407 transponder when's he gonna realize it's like the number one busiest highway like that's, that's what it is man like yeah. he just needs to move closer to where he's gonna teach out of like that that's all it is like i i look forward to his rants every day about the 401 and i'm like bro <laughs> just like fix a problem like move closer like so you don't have to go on the 401 you don't get it bro you don't get it bro. <laughs> so you start you started with Greg king you got you uh just started in jiu-jitsu and then like yeah. what kind of like your next next steps there okay so um after that i was training like i said i, I still didn't like it and um eventually uh there was like tournaments coming up and i think it was like january and uh i, I didn't feel ready or i didn't really want to but there was like a a raffle prize on Facebook for uh, the first grappling industries in Toronto. So I threw Ooh. my name in there and I got it. And uh, I lost 10. It was round robin, right? I lost 10 out of 11 fights, bro. <laughs> bro, I lost 10 out of 11. I got my ass beat because I think it was also mixed belts. So I was fighting blue belts. Mm. And I fought one of my teammates at the time, uh, Spencer Efford. He whooped me. Everybody whooped me. And then uh, I think I got one win. And that fired me up. And then uh, I was like, okay, there's, there's more to it than, you know, like back rolls and throwing your butt in the air, doing hip escapes. Let me see what's going on. And then uh, I had to figure out a way to compete because I couldn't really afford to do much. And, uh, you know, my parents are separated. So whatever. Um, eventually, I think Greg made contact with Fernando. And uh, Fernando kind of found a way for me and my sister to volunteer at a tournament, like scorekeeping, doing whatever, whatever we could, and then uh, competing for free. And that probably lasted, I mean, it lasted a, like years, honestly, but it lasted a couple of months for that period. And then uh, I think Greg went and trained in like California or something. And he, I think he, he like deported for a while. Yeah, or? dude, he got his fuck. he didn't have his visa when he came. Oh, that's crazy. So he had to go home to uh, Monaco, France, wherever the guy's from. Uh, Did he go live on a yacht for a year? Say what's up to his dad, I guess. Yeah, so he got out of here, and um, my sister and I were uh, looking for a place to train. And I think we'd already done some uh, open mats around, maybe uh, mostly MMA world and, like, stuff in the area. Uh, so we were looking at MMA world and uh, gringos. And my sister was trying to talk to them and say, listen, like, it's not a lot we can afford, but we're willing to, you know, clean the mats or do whatever we have to do to, you know, get our, our tuition. So I think Gringo's again, yeah, no, no problem, no problem, whatever. And uh, that was kind of how it worked for a while. And Gringo was gracious enough to let me train for free. And I think he would almost give me rides home like every single day. And uh, yeah, man, I remember just like, going straight there after school, chilling with Gringo for an hour or two, doing kids class, training all night. Uh, and then just like, hey, this guy would be on Facebook until like 11 p.m. And now I'd just be like chilling in the lobby, like doing whatever I was doing. 
and then he would just drive me home and you know that was life for like uh i don't even know how long it must have been at least three months six months maybe a year but he would drive me home nearly every single day and uh yeah dude it was uh it was really helpful awesome and that's when you were training with the at the um, north toronto location yeah yeah pickering is like two years old right so yeah, yeah, yeah. okay awesome excellent so what was that like because you remember you were talking about like MMA and then you're like, okay, I'm going to be an MMA guy. And then you're doing jujitsu. Like, what was that kind of whole transition? You're like, I ain't doing MMA. It's just like, was it? Uh, so um, I did a couple Muay Thai fights. I did two. But they were like smoker fights, like under mm. the table, probably illegal. I did. Uh, <laughs> most, of, most of them are. <laughs> I think it was definitely illegal. But uh, I did my first one when I was 16. And uh, I had no business being that. And um, neither did the other guy, to be honest. But I think <laughs> I ended up uh, finishing it in the second round. The ref stopped it, which, you know, it's kind of weird because in these smoker fights, it goes three rounds and they raise both your arms. Like, nobody wins. Yeah. So yeah. that fired me up. And uh, I did amateur. That, like, less than amateur. Way less than amateur. And uh, that, those were just the fights I could get. I, I didn't really sign up. For, um, fights in uh, Ontario, like the Ontario Muay Thai Committee or the MMA Committee. But basically, I had like me, my sister, her boyfriend at the time, and his little brother. Uh, the four of us would just like train as much as we could, wrestling, boxing, Muay Thai, Jiu Jitsu sometimes as well, and just trying to like make it happen. The two uh, brothers, they fought MMA a bunch, and uh, fuck, sorry about that. <laughs> They were getting uh, really, really good and, and training like super consistently. And I think when I started training, they were both blue belts. So they just beat the shit out of me. And having uh, one of them be my sister's boyfriend, it just like fired me up to, you know, like <laughs> really trying to take it to him every single time. And uh, <laughs> it was just wild, the sparring we did, you know? So eventually, uh, when I started going to Gringos, I was still doing some boxing. And then eventually, I was like, you know what? Like, I'm trying to do tournaments. I don't really need to do this. I'm not yeah. okay. But I did like once. Like, I did my second fight, right? And that one went three rounds, and obviously, like, we both got our hands raised. But my body was like matched up. My sh like my shins killed. Random parts of my body hurt. And I think I was like visiting my grandma after, and I'm just like walking there, like all fucked up. And I'm like, dude, like nothing came of that zero came of that zero i didn't make anything i got zero exposure i'll probably have a video at some point uh and i feel like shit so i don't know maybe i'll try that stuff what out. is the trade here exactly. is that aaron's actually officially one and oh as an amateur mma fighter so yeah so that one and done <laughs> one and done bro nice aaron, one and done yeah they had a secret underground uh fight card at at the uh workplace that we are currently at several years yeah. ago where Aaron, oh, it was... Aaron almost killed somebody in the pool yeah. <laughs> basically basically it was it was good but again we went three rounds but then it was like my legs were destroyed after yeah, kicks, and I'm just like I don't like this at all and I'm just like I remember doing a couple of like like hard training sessions at like Professor Shaw's up in like um I think they were layered and spears at the time and whatever. And I don't know if he just had like Seiji and like oh, Hammer just beat, they just beat the shit out of me. Yeah. And it was like, 
they leg kicked me to death. And then we had um, competition training after, right? So I just stayed for a competition, like jujitsu training after. And then the drive home is like 45 minutes to an hour. And they're driving a stick at the time. I can't even drive properly. And by the time I get home, I'm like, get in my shower. I couldn't even stand in the shower because my legs were just destroyed. And I literally cried in the shower. And my wife's like, are you okay? I'm like, no, I'm not okay. Yeah. Like, my legs are killing me. Pretty wild, the stuff people do for, for like sports like this. No. And like, and that's the thing. I like never like jujitsu. I've had injuries in jujitsu, but like never like destroy my body type injuries. The worst Whereas, thing I had in, in jujitsu, man, was uh, 2018. Uh, first training back from Euros, I got a, a wicked concussion. Oh, we were doing um, George had us doing like uh, flying armbar drills against seated guards. <laughs> so you know how like Davi Hamo submitted uh, Lucas Laprie in uh, oh, and then ADCC like jumped over in the armbar. Yeah, so, so we were like, doing oh, that. That looks cool. <laughs> no, it was a good drill. It's a sick drill. So, anyways, I'm I'm doing it. You know, whatever. I'm rotating this way. I'm on Brian like this way. And I swear to God, the guy with the pointiest head in the room, he starts getting in my field and, you know, I'm just doing my thing. And I did my last arm bar that I, that <laughs> before I got clocked, and I'm going this way. The other guy's going this way. And the top of his head hit the back of my head. Just, oh, that's, and then I'm like, okay, uh, I'm on the ground. And George is like, ah, oh, you're okay, right? You're good, you're good. Like, trying to help me, like, you know, laugh it off. And I was I was trying to do it too. I, like, sat on the wall. I'm like, dude, like, that was hard. And, like, we're laughing about it. And then all of a sudden, like, things just started mixing up. And I was like, okay, I can't see. Holy shit, I can't see. And uh, a friend of mine grants into the hospital. Nothing serious happened. Two weeks later, I competed and everything was fine. Just walked it off, you know, no big deal. I was sensitive to light for a long time after, but I think that's a pretty pretty solid recovery. I had some help recovering and not too bad. Yeah, no, that's good, right? Like, you have some guys who get concussions and then they're out for like a week or a half or two, or like, and they can't do anything. Dude, right? I have another crazy just... story. So about like the, the four of us, like I said, my sister, her boyfriend at the time, his little brother and I, so after I kind of left uh, MMA and, and Muay Thai and stuff, um, and that gym dissolved. Like I said, UMAC went, I don't know, went under, I guess, and they just kind of dissolved. And um, the two brothers, I think, maybe just the younger brother, because he was still trying to, like, do MMA and, and do kickboxing matches and stuff like that. So he was fighting every single weekend. He started training at Bazooka Joe's. And uh, one day in training, man, some, uh, some dickhead fucking dropped him with a head kick out cold from a head kick in training on like team sparring and the dude uh fuck man i think he was he was unable to like read or like use a phone or like do any of stuff like that for like a couple of years solid oh wow I see, I see his older brother he actually works at the same gym as me now so i see him like almost every day my sister's ex and uh we're cool it's all it's all good like he's like a great guy but only recently i was able to like be like bro like how's your brother doing and apparently he's doing a little bit better. He's, you know, he's able to uh, get out there a little bit and get back to normal life. But for for literally years, man, he was uh, he was fucked up from some idiot. Yeah, that's messed up. Like you got to be careful with like how you train. Like you, there's you, there's only so many times. Like especially like Muay Thai, there's only so many times you can get hit in the head. Like, yeah, man. You, like I've had a lot. Like 
fortunately, like I haven't had a concussion. That's probably one thing I don't, I don't want to experience because there's you, you, you got off. I think you're, you know, pretty lucky and you had a pretty cool, like, uh, yeah, recovery. Sure. But some people are really like messed up. Like, uh, one person from our school, Andrew, he basically what happened to him, like he hit his head on the roof one day. Like he just like stood up like too fast. He's a taller Training? guy. Oh, my, Andrew, uh, Andrew DiCarlo. So shout out, shout out. In the gym? And, no, not even at the gym, just at his house. Like, okay, I was gonna up, say like has, there's like a low like stair or something. Hit oh. his head and he's like, ah, oh, what the hell? Like he hit his head and he like it hurt. And then like, like, you know, like an hour later, he's like going to bed and he was telling me, he's like, okay, I'm going to go to bed. And then he turns over and the whole like room just starts like swimming. Like wow. he can't see, he feels like he's going to throw up. And he's like that for like a year. Yeah, it's wild what, what they do to people. Really wild. And Muay Thai, you're right. Like, it's so different. The ego, I guess it's like, yeah, the ego that you can experience in Muay Thai is totally different from Jiu-Jitsu. Because, like, you tap, you're over. Maybe he holds it. Maybe he pops your elbow. But, like, dude, Muay Thai or MMA, like, you punch someone kind of hard. They punch you kind of hard. You punch them harder. They punch you harder. You're swinging for the fences before you know it. And you have no idea what kind of, like, uh, you know, undisclosed concussions you may have from that so i think a lot of what uh what spencer uh had was just like fighting way too much every single weekend not checking up on his health and that was just it for him that was the tip of the iceberg i guess to, to to fuck him up and then my sister ended up stopping uh competing in mma she did like five or six fights and she got her brain scanned i think uh the ufc requires all athletes to do it so she just decided to do it and it showed like a lot of white matter or something. So uh, apparently they won't let you fight if you have a lot of that stuff. I don't know the rules well, could be wrong, but uh, they're like, yo, like you should stop doing that stuff. So she did. Yeah, it's, there's only so many times you get to get clicked and that's it. I think you see all these fighters, right? Once they get that big knockout, they're, they're just never the same, right? They're either worried about getting knocked out or they yo, just who's get gonna knocked win? out. So Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you, but who's going to win today? No, no, no. Yeah. I think, I think Arisande oh, got This Mike's allowed to interrupt people, not me. Okay, I see how it is. <laughs> Mike is. He's the guest, so it's fine. <laughs> who's, your, who's your pick? Uh, man, I think, I think Israel's going to win. I think so. I don't know, though. It's tough, dude. It's I mean, a tough the... one. I want to know how Paula Costa got past a drug test. That's how I want to know. <laughs> Those Brazilian doctors, man. <laughs> there's a lot of acai no stoppers drug market no you just get bomba no problem over here like nobody knows what they're doing anyways have so they're been, bound to get caught michael have you been to brazil never never i, never. Go there. I don't know I, i've heard stories about like you can walk into like the equivalent of like i have to confirm. yeah what's that exactly that's what i'm saying like you can go anywhere and just be like yo uh bomba and they're like yeah yeah this kind, this kind, this kind, this kind. Oh, <laughs> 20 bucks. It's like, here's some acai. <laughs> You're all set. But, uh, is, I, think it, I think Israel's standing has a lot more tools. That, I, I was talking about this with Aaron. I think he has a lot more tools in his arsenal striking-wise. Versus Paulo, I think he's more like a big puncher. Versus, I would say, like, Paulo probably has a little bit more experience on the ground versus Israel has a lot more, like, an extensive, like, kickboxing experience. So, I think, in theory, if Israel keeps it standing, I think he I think he wins probably, like, a five-round decision. That's probably my official pick. I don't know. Aaron, what do you think? 
that's um, that's my thing. I think uh, Israel can keep his standing. He'll pick him apart because Paul Costa is going to try and rush him, push him up against the fence, try and batter him up. But he throws like bombs every time. So if he clips him, anything could happen. I just think Israel's a little too smart for that. So he's going to move around. He's going to stay off the fence. And he's just going to, but again, if it goes to the ground, I just don't know. I don't know enough about Israel's uh, ground game or like how his defense is. So I, I don't know. Yeah, I think he could finish him late. Israel could like finish him late or Paulo mm-hmm. could just like clip him and just knock him down and maybe submit him on the ground or something earlier. I don't know. I think it's kind of the same or similar to uh, who did he finish like late? Was it uh, not Kelvin? Kelvin. It was uh, after that. Uh, Robert Whitaker? Oh. Was it Whitaker? Well, he did finish Whitaker, yeah. But did he finish him like in the third round or fourth round? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, finished he went down and he yeah. like shot that. He did that shit. Yeah. He was know. like moving backwards and it was like these hooks and hooks and he clipped him with the hook and then Whitaker went backwards and then he finished him on the ground. But yeah. It should, it should be a good fight though. Like I like how they're doing the fight. I like the card stack, you know? It's a good, it's a good card. Yes. <clears throat> Israel. I'm gonna pull it up. I'll be Jamie. All right, boys. You right. be Jamie right now. Be Jamie. But but I know they're doing the Dominic Dominic Reyes is fighting. Oh the, yeah yeah yeah. Fighting the Polish guy today. Um, that's for the the light heavyweight. Yeah. Um, I, I forgot his name too. So Israel stopped. Yeah, he stopped uh, Robert Whitaker in the third round. Third round. Yoel Romero. He took a five round decision. I don't know. Like like they're both. Both undefeated. Paulo Costa's tough as well. I don't know. Do I? I don't see Israel stopping him, but you know, we'll see. I'd be okay. Okay, I got maybe, it. Maybe like a late round stoppage, like in the fourth or the fifth round, just like just that's like, what I would say. Like accumulating damage over rounds. So uh, you got Dom Reyes and Jan Blakowicz. Yeah. Uh, I would say Dom, but. That bullshit is fucking jacked, man. He's huge. And he's going to But uh, then you have, I look, I'm looking down, you see women's bantamweight. We have uh, Sajara Eubanks from. Uh, hey, shout out to Sarge. Oh. CLI. Yeah, she's fighting. That's a good one. Yeah, I don't know if she's fighting, though. I don't know the name. But yeah, that's about it. It doesn't look like a, a huge card, but the, the two names are pretty far. Well, I'm curious to see when um, Gaethje and uh, Khabib go. That's going to be end of next month, I think. So that's coming up. Yeah, there's in the mix now, which is really awesome, too. That guy's uh, a savage. Michael Chandler? Ooh, yeah. He's in the mix now. He's sick. He is. Yeah, no, he, he is definitely sick. I think they're trying to pit him up against uh, Tony Ferguson. Fuck. I love Ferguson, man, but that last fight was, was fucked, man. He was just getting eaten alive by Gaethje. He wasn't, oh, yeah. he, he wasn't somebody who was going to quit either. Like, he no. would have died in there if he... Yeah, he would have died, for sure. Or at least, like, in the hospital. He's fucked. He's a zombie. He's yeah, no. I'm yeah. thinking with Khabib and uh, Gaethje, who do you think, Mike? Khabib. And I think, uh, I think probably Khabib, just like everybody else. But I think Gaethje stands a better chance than most people uh, Khabib spot recently. Because he's a pretty good defensive wrestler, right? So, maybe. Plus, he looked outstanding against Tony, but fuck Khabib is Khabib. What do you think makes Khabib just – how good is he? Like, what, what's your kind of take on him? 
<laughs> wrestling bears, bro. As a young young boy, what was he like seven, eight, or nine, tussling with a little bear? Yeah. Just having a dad in the sport like that, like raising you with a sport like that, raising you probably with a mindset to compete in a sport like that. Having your dad in in uh in your corner, like that voice in your head constantly. I think about like Customato for Mike Tyson, but if Cust was Mike's dad and that kind of role model from like young, you know, I think it's just a matter of the self-belief that uh, his dad instilled in him when he was a boy. And that's just a matter of like what it grew into now. I think, just, I think he's also just so mentally tough. That's what yeah. separates him from every, like he's just somebody you can't mentally crack. Yeah. Just match this stuff. Well, new interesting news. Um, Conor McGregor is officially fighting Manny Pacquiao. That's official. Really? It's, apparently it's official. It's on his Twitter page. Manny Pacquiao said it's happening. So that's, that's actually sick. He didn't do that bad against Mayweather. First couple rounds were all right. He clocked him a few times. That was about it. But uh, Manny Pacquiao is just so small. Like he's he's shorter than Mayweather. So it's going to be like, true. I don't know. It'll just be sick to see Connor. Uh, suit up for boxing again. That last fight had all the hype. I don't think there's going to be that much trash talking because Manny's just, like, super nice. But uh, you never know. Maybe he'll do it for the, for the money. So we'll see. I think Manny yeah. wants to do it to uh, – I think he wants to raise money for COVID relief in the Philippines. Yeah. He's doing it for good. And he's going to be donating, like, a big chunk. So, uh, yeah, Connor can't say anything. Yeah. So he can't. Uh, but then I think they're both probably going to be doing the same thing. Like they're both going to make easily like a couple hundred million each off of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is where, this is where jujitsu needs to go, guys. <laughs> no, so man. Mike, so especially like obviously because we're talking like in the pro level as far as like jujitsu goes. What's your kind of take as far as like bringing like pro cards to like Canada? You for it? You against it? You kind of like a hey, man, just in a traditional format. I'm all for it, bro. I think there should be cash tournaments, cash events. There should be ways to come to the athletes. I remember I was doing like ground games uh, events, and I think even like it's a blue belt. I think Pat might have given me given me uh, 200 bucks for a match, and then I don't know if I got paid after that on his shows, but uh, they deserve money, man. We all deserve money if we're uh, doing a sport like this on a, on a professional basis. This is, this is like the most professional amateur sport out there. As far as like compensation goes, of course it's like considered amateur. You have $10,000 kumites now, which is awesome. But uh, that's like the lowest tier UFC fighter pay. You know what I mean? And I guess the viewership's not there. The fan base isn't quite there yet. So people are playing with different formats, like make it interesting and make people want to see it. Uh, but I, I think Ontario is just like conquer the, the, the politics and just try and make some, some cool events and do some cool stuff and come together to pay everybody, get everybody paid. That's the one thing I, w- I want to like, I don't see why there can't be like an amateur tier. Like you have your grassroots tournaments that are like all like you're you know they're with the local scene. You have white you know like white belts and blue belts who want to go out and compete and get experience. Like like you mentioned even earlier, like grappling industries like is a perfect example of that. Where yeah. your first tournament you wouldn't compete it as a white belt and you got like 10, 11 matches. Like no, sure, that was you, awesome. lost, you lost most of them, but at the same time, like you got a ton of experience from that. So 
what do you, so from like my question, I guess as well, and just like, you know, open this up to everybody. So like when, when would you separate like, okay, like this person is a blue belt amateur or a blue belt getting paid pro, like what, what's kind of like the separation between the two? Uh, I don't know, man. I think it's, it's, it's tough to answer because there's so many different factors nowadays, especially with like social media and like the, the influencer status that people are trying to, trying to attain nowadays. Um, at a certain point, like people like that could be compensated based on what they could offer or how many tickets they could sell. I know fight to win does something similar to that. If you sell a bunch of tickets, you get a portion of the tickets. That could be cool. I mean, I know there's a, uh, a fight thing in uh, Ontario recently, but I know someone who's fought there a couple times and never been paid once. And it's like, cool, you get a rash guard, you get lots of shorts, but like, you got to pay the man. Cause I don't know how, like what your expenses are, but a hundred dollars, $200, a couple hundred dollars or a portion of ticket sales, like at least incentivize him to support your show. Like you can say, bring uh, five athletes and, and get some ticket sales, um, like a percentage. There you go. The guy's going to try his hardest to sell five tickets, 10 tickets, get some money out of it and make it worth his while. But as far as like your question, man, I don't know. I guess uh, a lot of it is in results. Like you have someone like Shaq or something like as a blue belt, just like 15 years old, green belt even, just running through adult divisions, like basically no problem. Uh, kids like that should have opportunities to compete. I know there's a kid in uh, Texas. I think his name is like Andrew Packett. He's young. He's like 16. But uh, third coach grappling has given him opportunities to uh, fight like multiple dudes in a night, uh, like back to back, and just try to make uh, kind of like a show out of the kid. Like this kid is talented and, you know, he has the potential. And so they're putting him on a show. I'm sure he's incompetent somehow. He definitely should be. But uh, there should definitely be something like that for, uh, for Ontario. It's not just about like, oh, here's a cool new fight promotion let's all promote the promotion if the promotion's not giving back i don't really see an incentive to you know like put your body or or you know like mess up your schedule mess up your tournament schedule maybe you're training for an event two weeks from now and that super fight show is in one week why would you spend like a couple days resting for an event that's not paying you when you might fight at a another term that's not paying you, but it's for a legitimate prestige, like a world or pants or something that could result in getting you paid through privates or uh, potentially sponsors or whatever it might be, you know? So basically I think if it's like a smaller tier kind of local thing, they've got to find a way to really incentivize competitors. Like Ontario Open, they do a great job. They uh, make sure to incentivize people to compete on a basis of trips to the world. And then even if, like, for example, I think, uh, 2017 or something I won a trip 2017 yeah it was and uh I was training for worlds after and I got bursitis in my elbow I was just saying like back steps smashing my elbow off the ground eventually like built up I had a bubble on my elbow and I, I got and, uh, inside the bursitis because um the doctors drained it and like yo you know if we put a needle in there's a chance of infection ah whatever no problem I'll go train so I did jujitsu a hole in the bursitis in my elbow and I did it in the worst way. I put like a brace under my gi, I put my gi over, and I put a brace over my gi so that people could see I had an, an injured elbow. Like that's my bad arm. And then I would just kind of like try and use it like sparingly. But anyways, it was, it was mashed up. I couldn't end up competing. And uh, they cashed out the, the trip for me. 
they gave me like $800, I think maybe $800, $1,000 cash, you know, and that was huge for me. That was money, bro. For someone like me, like uh, training for being full time, uh, that was super helpful. So you know you're covered, like either doing a trip to Worlds or if you choose to, or if you want to, or for whatever reason you can't go, then um, you'll still be compensated for your work. And I think that's the most important thing. Like exposure is kind of redundant. Like at this point, you can get yourself exposure. If you aren't scared to put yourself out on Instagram or act like a human being rather than just like try and post cool stuff, you'll get yourself exposure and people will start like listening in, you know, they'll see what you're up to and, and start expecting it. But tournaments that are just like, yeah, dude, I mean, unless you're the IBJJF or something like that, there's really no exposure given. I mean, unless we accumulate over time. It's funny because it's you, when, you, when you're talking about like, oh, because uh, in a lot of different professions, like my, uh, my wife does a lot of like graphic design work and a lot of times they're like, oh yeah, can you help me out? Like design this and do this and that. We'll, we'll give you so much exposure and this and that. It's like, oh, that's great because, you know, exposure, like, you know, pay, pays my bills. Yeah, man. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, I've been working with a couple of different graphic designers, actually, for a little project I'm, I'm cooking up, and um, I'm paying them all. Either I'm paying them or I, I should have a deal with them. So percentage of sales, they'll get in half. Or mm -hmm. some of the guys are, are already private students of mine, whether they're helping me like build a website or like, whatever it could be, they're, uh, maybe I'll do a free lesson for them. There's an exchange happening that they see as value. And, you know, like having... Oh, I did this like I paid my sister for the website she built you know like there's no point doing something for free unless you really see the value in what you could get as in like a tournament title or something that will feel like an accomplishment you know some super fight show that doesn't really offer much or whatever they could be doing anything besides paying you like it's like okay why am I going to do that give me a, a couple good reasons and uh then we can talk so I don't know. That's, a, that's something I've always wanted to do actually is like, I wanted to do like either some sort of show and like have almost like what the NBA or like just as like a model, like for example, like the NBA or the NFL, they have like a profit sharing model or something. So it's like the high level, like professional jujitsu people. It's like, okay, like if you guys can draw, you guys can make money. You guys get a cut of the, like the profits or what you're making. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think as a community, like there's a probably a low chance, but there's a chance like you could gather some of the, the bigger figures and be like, dude, like how can we make this work for athletes so that like five or ten years even from now maybe um, we could support a young athlete with talent who wants to compete on an international stage, you know, like going to to like Abu Dhabi and Colombia and uh, Sweden to represent Canada the last three years. Dude, it's so mind-blowing the amount of support these uh, athletes are getting from their country. For example, um, talking to some Israeli athletes, you know, hashing it out, nice to meet you, blah, blah, blah. He's like, oh, you wanted to come to Israel? And I'm like, yeah, sure. <laughs> cool, let's go to Israel. He's like, okay, uh, the, the country will pay me uh, $1,000 a month if I finish top five in this division for my event, for this event. And uh, not only that, they'll also allow me to fly in a training partner to train with me for a couple of months. And I was like, what? 
And then sure enough, you see like kids from like Cicero going to Israel and uh, these kids are getting supported while they're in Israel. And not only that, but the athletes who finish like fifth in a tournament, don't even get a medal, are getting monetary sponsorship through, uh, I don't know, uh, federal organizations or at least some kind of like municipal organization. And that just blew my mind. I was like, how on earth, why don't, why don't we have that going on? Like, what is in the way? Is it politics? Is it like, what's going on? How do we fucking make this happen? And if there's money sitting in the bank, how, like, who, what? I'm just confused, man. It just, like, blew my mind. It's inaccessible to... How do we get Michael Sheehan competing on the, on the, the world stage with Canadian CERB money? This is what we... (laughs) (laughs) No, yeah, I'm, sure no. have some, I'm sure you do have some guys doing like surf fraud because they're too broke to to do anything right now for some you guys this podcast <laughs> is also sponsored by CERB for a while yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> well, but I, I think you made you made a good point right because also like it, I think it gets bigger though even if you look at our own Canadian Olympic athletes and even like in our national sports and all that kind of stuff. Pretty embarrassing, man. I think it's pretty embarrassing. It is. No, I, I agree with you, right? Because you got so many people that are actually leaving Canadian teams because they're like, oh, I can't make it or I can't afford to do it because then they'll they'll get citizenship at their their grandparents wherever because they can get citizenship. So let's so say they say you're um, second generation Polish, for example you could get a Polish citizenship and go compete on the Polish national team. And then they could pay for a bunch of different things. Cause it'd be easier for you to get on a team. I mean, yeah. you can fact check me on that, but it, it does happen. I know it does that. happen. No, I think a, a wrestler from the States, uh, pretty popular. I don't know his name though. Maybe no, not Nick Soriano, but some wrestler, I think he just switched from team USA to uh, Italy or something like that, mm-hmm. you know, to get a guaranteed spot on the Olympic team. Uh, or our chance to fight in the Olympics and uh, probably some monetary help too. I don't know. It's, yeah. it's seriously embarrassing if you ask me. I agree. So, I mean, you never know. Like, it, it might be one of those things where eventually down the road, but I think, it's, again, it goes deeper, right? And I think it goes past just the individuals on a podcast to talk about it. But <laughs> For, sure it, it. For sure it does. For sure it does. You got to go into like, there's, there's ways. Way. You got to start the conversation and then you got to go after the people that are in charge of all those different issues. Right. And it's more of the, the OJA and then it's the Canadian Jiu-Jitsu Association. Are they actually. We need to go to the OJA and ask for a CERB. Can you get a CJJRB, please? Like Tony, hit me up. No, honestly, with, uh, with the last few years going to, um, the different countries to represent Canada. It was really, really amazing. And the support they gave us for those events was huge. You know, obviously we couldn't have really done it without that support. Um, and I think uh, maybe Elliot Baev or a couple other guys probably as well, they ended up doing some kind of seminar or some kind of, some kind of thing to raise funds to support the athletes, um, you know, and that helps a lot too. So I mean, could you imagine a company like a t-shirt brand or whatever kind of company that could incorporate um, setting money aside for supporting the Canadian athlete? Or at least like for a specific event, whether it's like that JJIF event, we're going to, we vouch to sponsor three athletes, uh, whatever, like pay. Like the money they won't make since they're going to this tournament, 
we'll cover that, whatever that amount is, or we'll help them with their flight, or we'll give them half the flight's amount, just whatever it is. And it'll really not only help the, the athletes or incentivize people to actually go try to make a team, but uh, I'm sure a lot of people would probably support that brand a lot more afterwards, knowing that they're, they're uh, supporting people out there who need it. Yeah, for sure. Whatever's going to so, help people like, get supported, I'm, I'm all for it. Yeah. No, I agree. But um, I wanted to ask you one last thing. So when you look at like your overall grappling career so far, even though you're not competing right now, but what's kind of like the highlight of your competition career right now for yourself? What would you say? Um, there's a couple. I don't know. Uh, I don't think I can name one. But uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. I think going to represent Canada probably meant the most to me. And then uh, some of the more initial things I did, like when I, I wasn't quite sure of myself or I knew I was training hard and like winning like Nogi Worlds uh, really meant a lot to me because uh, I, I was just like freaking out in the bullpen, bro. I was like literally rocking back and forth, like six more fights, five more fights. Dude, it was insane. The, the rush it gave me and that was probably like the most, uh, I don't know, glory I, I might have felt just having accomplished that. Uh, and then aside from that, man, I think representing Canada, stuff like that, stuff for the country. And, um, I don't know, I can't think of much else. Being able to travel is, is, is a blessing through the sport. Representing Canada is even better for me. <clears throat> I'm not really for the nonsense. Like I love supporting the team. I, I, I train at and I'm with, but I, I don't really like the whole, like us against them or whatever it is, you know, it's like, why don't we just all try our best? come together and it, it's not even like team versus team it could be a couple of different people within the same team gunning for each other or something like that and really if everyone just came together and each individual aspect as a whole we'd probably be so much further in in, in ontario for jiu-jitsu if we had some cross training programs from you know, whatever it was you know so anyways i think like probably some of the the best was representing canada going over there and putting Canada's patch on my back, winning a couple of events like Pans and Nogi Worlds, Nogi Worlds and Nogi Pans, and then uh, uh, Euros. Euros silver was cool too. Uh, sucks with the silver, but, you know, that was fun. Aaron's uh, sleeping over there. I think it's, I think it's, <laughs> I think he's stuck there. Oh. Go, go. Are you alive, Aaron? Respect, bro. Sleeping. No respect. <laughs> One thing I wanted to ask you actually is you were talking about like, you know, like people coming together um, and there being a lot more, a lot more cross training. Um, you've trained at a couple of gyms before and what's kind of your take on that, on the whole mentality of like, you're even saying like, you know, it's us versus them or like, okay, we're only going to stick and train with like our group of people or that. Like what's your, what's your old take on what's, what's your old take on that? This guy's actually sleeping. Wow. <laughs> That's the most important part of this podcast, and Aaron just decides to complain. <laughs> no, that's funny. You, you see what I have to deal with here? Jeez. Wow, dude. <laughs> and he, he creonched the, the podcast on top Creonch, of that. I'm the host now. Look at me. I'm the host now. I am the host, bro. <laughs> I feel stuck on the 401. What's going on? Uh, yeah, man. I understand it. I fully, I think I understand it pretty well. The notion that a team may think that um, what they're doing 
is more valuable or better or they have their own techniques, their own like private stuff they don't want to share. They could potentially fight the guys on the other team. They could like, there's a, a huge list of like what might be going on. You know, there could be like more subtle issues that might not even involve jujitsu. Um, but same deal. Like if you sell that side, sell that shit aside and you're just able to say, yo man, if we fight, we fight. Uh, it is what it is. Like hopefully we can still continue to train together and, and be on friendly terms after. Then it's great. But sometimes, you know, like people are all about that, but they're still trying to like rip your head off in training and actually trying to hurt you. And it, there just has to be a certain, you know, unspoken agreement uh, or a spoken agreement, probably better. And then, dude, if we fight, we fight. But uh, overall, uh, what we're here to do is get really good training and push each other hard and make sure we're healthy for our tournaments. You know, so I, I guess like it's just about. I don't know, an understanding between everybody. That's the big thing, I think. Uh, also, like, if you notice, like, in judo, there's a lot more cross-training in judo, for example, than I think there is even, like, in, it depends on, I think, the culture of, like, a jiu-jitsu school. Like, I think me and Aaron have been, like, pretty open-minded with, like, when we've been teaching. It's like, hey, like, you know, there's a seminar with this person. I think you should go. Like, you know, exactly, exactly. Or, you don't have to ask for our permission to go to, like, a Michael Sheehan seminar. Be like, dude, <laughs> it's, it's so ridiculous, man. I know people who... Um, are pretty low key, you know, they, uh, they're one of those like quiet blue belts that, you know, you see training and you know who he is. He comes all the time, but he doesn't speak much. And I know he, he pays a couple different memberships at a couple different gyms and he's talked to me about it. He's like, I don't know, like if they find out or if I compete and I have the other team on my back and this and that, I'm like, dude, you pay them. You give them your money for a service that they give you. How on earth are they going to get angry at you for uh, doing what you want? And, you know, like getting your money worth somewhere else. You're paying for a tournament. You're paying this guy. You're paying that guy. Why are those guys being upset? How can they possibly be upset? It's like, oh, you know, I invested all this time and I told him my secret techniques. It's like, dude, like, why don't you tell everyone your secret techniques? And maybe we'll get a couple more private lessons and uh, you'll be fine. But even with private lessons as an instructor, um, I get to hear a lot of like different stories from different academies of, people considering like going to a different gym or considering like not doing this or not doing that based on politics or, you know, maybe not even uh, trying to be consistent in privates with me despite wanting to for other reasons, uh, like involving those silly politics and it just gets in the way so much. And uh, it's honestly childish. I think there's like an old school mentality to it of like this, our way, this, your way, we we're going to fight, <laughs> you know? And I think that died like as soon as uh, social media put us in a space where you can get access to basically anything anyone else is doing or almost every move you can see there's, there's very limited secret moves nowadays. Cause if it's happening at a major event, people are watching it people are studying it and eventually someone's going to catch on in a random country that has nothing to do with you. So why hide that from uh, people who you may or may not fight, who may or may not beat you because you showed it to them. Why are you so paranoid? Like, let's just hash it out, get all out there and make sure that we're on good terms. And I guess the other side of that is making sure that um, if you're on that kind of agreement with somebody that they understand, like, I don't know, like some kind of uh, credit, you know, like, oh, I, I learned this uh, from this guy over here. and He showed it to me. I, I think it's a really cool move. And I try to give credit to people for like what they taught me and uh, 
I think that's a way of like paying it back. You know, like you don't have to be like, here's my move. <laughs> I'm, I invent this and it was great. So I don't know what I'm doing for so long. So like Borat right now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I have the roni. Sexy time. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, just making sure like you keep everything as as professional as possible while remaining like with the understanding that like, dude, like it's really not that serious. It's not that serious. If you show me a move and I beat you because of it, then like deal with it. Or if you show me a move and I show you a counter that I create, whether in a fight or uh, in training, then you learn another move. And it's like, dude, like, why don't you just try and expand your jiu-jitsu instead of worry about who you may or may not fight? Yeah, I think at the end of the day, honestly, like, like I've trained at a lot of different gyms. And I think at the end of the day, like, you're going to represent, like, you know, like your team or whoever it is when you go compete at, like, you know, Pants, Worlds, or big tournaments, or even, like, on an even bigger scale, like, like the JJJ, the JJIF tournaments where you're, you know, you're competing for your your country. Right. So in that case, like, I don't think there's anything wrong with, you know, you're going to different gyms, everybody's learning from each other, but like when it comes to like, maybe like a big tournament, like Ontario open pans worlds, or like whatever the case may be, there's nothing wrong with, okay, like we're gonna gonna train a little bit with my team the next few weeks few weeks we're going to strategize and you know, yeah we're, yeah we're in this thing like there's nothing wrong with that but yeah yeah at the same time, like, why can't everybody you know be open and train with each other it's the end of the day if everybody's getting better and the level's getting higher that's when you're going to see more money in the sport for canada more money locally for people more opportunities for people locally i think it it, it all goes hand in hand it, that, that's the way i see it at least yeah dude you mentioned the, the jjif and stuff like that like once you get there you're training with everybody anyways. You're all in the same room anyways. You're gonna get asked to roll by someone like a weight class above or below you anyways. So um, like, why can't you deal with that sooner? So at least you, you know the guy a bit more personally and, and you can trust that he's not gonna try and just like mash you up and hurt you or something like that. Develop a relationship and, and move forward. And if it's like a local Ontario Open type event and your team's concerned with winning the event and they think, uh, you know, Briar's gym is going to steal all your tech and, and show it and, and release it. Fine. You know, you can shut your doors for a few weeks or whatever, but I, I don't know. I remember a time like five years ago, probably now when before worlds, man, like there was like public posts, like three, four, five years, not even three, probably four, five and six years ago. There were like consistent, not only open mats weekly at different academies that were absolutely amazing for me personally, like being able to train with Dynas as a white belt, just getting my ass mopped around, around the mats was great. And then, uh, other tournaments, uh, not tournaments, but, uh, other, uh, training sessions that, uh, I, I don't even think I even went to, but just heard about like people all around Ontario being like, yo dude, uh, Saturday, whatever, April 21st, we're all going to gather and head to, uh, this gym. And if you're getting ready for worlds, you're more than welcome to come we're all going to help each other out and it's basically going to be like an open mat. And it's okay. Like sick, like count me in, like, let's do it right now. But nowadays, I don't know. Uh, I'm not seeing a whole lot of like publication of that sort of thing. Maybe I'm just out of the loop. Um, but I just wish there was a bit more. I think so too. I used to actually see a lot of those, like more in like my blue belt days, like 20 years ago when I was, exactly, yeah. there was a lot more of those, like, like I, w- I remember, I think things were a lot more open then, and I, I don't know what happened the last few years, but I think I think it's time to get back to that, and it, it's only going to help everybody get better. 
Yeah, so. and there's many athletes in Canada, man. Like, you see a lot of kids now, younger kids, uh, good kids. Like, uh, we had uh, Lucas Beavis from Toronto for a bit. Kids in San Diego now. You have, like, I don't know, whoever else. These kids, like, who might just end up going over there anyways because San Diego is is practically the place to go if you want to do jiu-jitsu and, and have access to training. And I've been there. <laughs> yeah, it's sick. It's amazing. But um, if we get to that point where, you know, we're at a level where everyone's sharing their jiu-jitsu, no one is trying to uh, prove themselves in a way that's, like, getting people injured or, or risking injury. And, you know, you can go and hop in, like, a – a gym on a Saturday that fits your schedule based on your work or your lifestyle better than the one you train at at home instead of doing like nothing and just be like, okay, like, fuck, there goes a day. I should have, uh, should have trained, but I couldn't. So there you go. Then again, we're just incentivizing Canadian growth. And, uh, I think that's what everybody wants to see, but, uh, I'm, I'm not, I don't know. I think we can do better. Well, what I was going to say is like, and I'm going to, what I'll say is some voters might not like what I'm about to say, but and because it's that old school mentality of my school, I don't want to have it. And to tell you the truth, this sport isn't going to grow when these, these guys are still thinking that way, unfortunately. Yeah, man. So and like I said, people are already like doing that. They're already either meeting up at their houses and, and especially now, obviously training underground or, um, they're, uh, they're just not telling the other gym. Like I know dudes. Uh, actually, I'm not gonna name names or gyms. No, no, no names. Right? No, yeah, you know no, no names for sure. But I was gonna name gyms. But I know guys training at different ends of the city, and they're just super quiet guys. You'd never expect it, and uh, I don't see anything wrong with it at all. And I'm like, dude, if if they figure it out, or and it's sad that I have to say like, figure it out. If they like, if they if they figure you out and they know what you're doing you're going to get in big trouble. It's like, bro, if you're paying them and, uh, you know, you're, if you're paying them period, like you should be able to do what you want with your personal time. And if that's going to another gym that, that just happens to be a rival or uh, non affiliate or some kind of, you know, alternate training resource that you find value in that maybe you're also paying, or maybe it's just an open mat. You want to see what's up at, you know, like, why why is that even a topic of conversation like who was the first guy to be like sensei sensei can i go train i don't understand i don't had, had actually people ask us if i'd grown men ask me like hey can i go to the seminar i'm like um go pay learn it and bring it back so I can yeah pretty much so, like, so, like, yeah work. there's definitely there's definitely another side and i've seen this other side too talking to a friend who uh recently opened up a gym um, and especially like there's a, a big affiliation, you know, just for like team is, is getting bigger, uh, at, like smaller spots, like Hamilton camp, whatever. It doesn't matter. Anyways, you have guys who may be affiliated at one gym and this is where I can see it becoming a conflict of maybe some interest somewhere affiliated at one gym and going to like 17 other gyms on like a weekly basis, like every single day. And then at that point, like, no one's really able to track your growth. Who who on earth is gonna have the say in promoting you if um, if they all have to come together for your blue belt? Like that's kind of weird uh, and unfortunate. <laughs> it's gonna waste a lot of people's time. But uh, on the same point, like those gyms also deserve to be compensated. You know, I don't think it's unless like it's like once a week or you have some kind of agreement with them and you figured it out. However, you guys have on your own terms. 
I think the gym also deserves to be compensated for giving you a space to, uh, to uh, fulfill your passion uh, in. So it goes both ways. And I can see like gym owners getting upset. Like, you know, they invested probably a couple, couple tens of thousands of dollars into uh, opening a space and to have someone just trying to basically take advantage of you uh, since you're affiliated at one gym or another, I guess it could get annoying, uh, especially if they're not, I don't know, like a competitor or something, but then it, it, it also gets weird there. Like you have to be a competitor to be allowed to do certain things. I don't know. So I think that's up to the business owner though. They need to come up with a, like, if you're going to allow somebody else to come into the club, so it's either, okay, it's a mat fee or there's yeah. some form of like compensation, right? So that way, okay, fine. You're affiliated with this individual. That's cool. Did you do all your gradings there? You can come here once a week. It's going to be X or you got to. Yeah. I think that was a conversation work. that the guy ended up having to have with that student. Yeah. I think uh, those have to happen. And if you're not doing that as a business owner, then that's kind of on you. It right? is. Right. Cause then it you is. can't be upset be like, Oh, this guy's always coming in for classes. I'm like, well, do you own the facility or not? So yeah, exactly. Make the guy pay. Right. So if he doesn't want to pay, that's cool. He can't come anymore. Right. Exactly, but that's yeah. because there's a service and all that kind of stuff. Right. I don't think that should, and a student shouldn't feel, oh, this is bullshit. And the academy owner should feel like, hundred percent. Especially like, now with uh, with like social media growth. Sorry, dude, I, I just pulled a briars. No, no, it's good. <laughs> yeah. Especially now with like social media growth and you know people just like figuring that okay, in in five years I'm gonna be the next Gordon Ryan and I'm I'm the next guy. I'm the next guy. They they think like they are doing a service to a gym by being there. And especially at like a white and blue belt level, it's probably not the case. And then even if it is the case, if you're acting like your chest is puffed out and you're the man just for showing up and, and like training with a couple dudes, like, like who, like, why the fuck are you acting that way in the first place? <laughs> you know, like uh, the guy, that guy's going to get smashed at exactly. some other clubs, right? Like, and, uh, he smashed this guy. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Oh, well, I mean, like, hey, Mike's had to smash some people and I had to smash people in the past. So, dude, I've happens. had some crazy wars with uh, a lot of different people where, like, you finish a round that got heated and, like, let's go again, let's go again. <laughs> yeah, okay, let's go again. <laughs> and you go again. And I remember uh, a specific rating I went to and uh, I was training with somebody and then I had Michael Sheehan, like, Hey, there's priors. I'm gonna roll with them. You're <laughs> <laughs> always like, he's like, hey man, you want to roll? <laughs> then around and then like, and, and then after he's just like, he walks away, goes gets water, comes back to, okay, let's do another one. <laughs> Did I do that? Yeah, you're. <laughs> yeah, bro, I was, I was a, uh, I could be hot headed at times for sure. It was fun because I remember like, you know, you're like, you're like, oh, fuck, this guy's here. This guy's here. Oh, but you, you had a good mindset. You're like, oh, man, this guy's here. This person's here. I want to train. Like, let me train. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think I, I keep like, it fun. Time, I'm like, oh, he sees Briars, the man, the myth, the legend. <laughs> how much I suck. He's <laughs> like, oh, I got to roll with him and see how, uh, see what, see what he does in all this. So. Yeah, you want to get that good training in or even just figure out like a person you've met online or seen through events or something. But yeah, I've, I've had uh, like one guy, I'll, I'll shout him out, uh, Kofi. So Kofi's a legend, first of all. And Kofi, um, he's a legend. He's a fucking legend. And he was uh, one of my best training partners back at Gringo's, you know, strong as a horse. And the guy just like was a sick training partner for me. Anyways, um, 
yeah, I think I was pretty new to Gringos. There's two guys there, him and Andy. And I was training with Kofi and I was a hot headed kid. I'll be like straight up honest, like 18, 17, maybe 19 a little bit. I still had some, some of that hot blood in me. And I, w- I was willing to like hash things back and forth with someone if I felt like they were trying to uh, hurt me or be disrespectful. And eventually like we finished rolling Kofi and I, and he's like, all right, like let's go again. <laughs> and I was like fired up. I was like, yeah, let's go again. Let's go again. Fine. Let's do it, man. And we rolled again. I think we might've done that like another one or two times. And then, uh after that we were gassed and it was like cool like good training man i respect you and we just hashed it out that way and i think that's uh that's fine nothing you know like no harm no foul i was i was good he was good so there you go i think uh one one thing i want to add um i think to finish off this evening is i want to ask you like what's kind of like your end oh we lost mike He's reaching for something. No, right, I think my, my laptop's dying, so I was going to plug it in, but the charge's not here. So Okay. Well, I just want to ask you actually one more thing tonight is uh, what's kind of like your end game for like, ju- for like jiu-jitsu or just like life in general, like the next three years, five years? What, do you, what, what are your plans? Okay. So I'm, I'm getting into real estate. I'm getting my Ooh. real estate license right now. Um, I'm building my private clientele. I'm hoping to balance both and still compete. Um, for the foreseeable future, at least. And then I plan to try and use the proceeds I make through real estate to open. Uh, I don't know if I want to open a gym. Uh, maybe I'll try and open some kind of studio where I can try and keep it as open as possible and not really have a banner for people to fight underneath. And, you know, if you want to come and train, that's amazing. If you want to uh, like teach a private, you'll have a little rental fee. If you want, just like various things at a studio where you can all train and, and try and make it as, you know, as uh, level-headed and like unpolitical as possible. That's pretty that's what I That's what I want to do. That's very similar to, um, this is another person I want to get on, James Liu. He does that. Like, you'll have open mats. I've seen you there, I think, as well. Like, you'll have like an open mat, like a strength and conditioning session. You'll yeah, see dude, you this guy, man. He's- he just lessened his BJJ mats. If you get him on here, you got to complain to this guy. He took away oh, some you did that? His mats and now it's like not too feasible to train in because he got so much more uh, strength training equipment, but mm. his facility is awesome. But yeah, man, uh, I want to get into real estate and, and use my work ethic to uh, make some real money. And um, I'm hoping my stature in the community can help me do that. And um, then I can use that to feed my passion the way I want to. I don't want to try and wait around and, and be a BJJ bomb until uh, I scrape like whatever it is, like 20 grand to open a, a shitty little academy and, you know, just try and up it from there. I want to be able to do something really good and not only like a nice, nice facility or whatever, but something helpful for the community and whatever, maybe have some sponsorship programs. I haven't really thought it out too much, but uh, as of right now, I'm just trying to like figure out my financial future and get all that in order maintain competing as much as possible, uh, fight as much as I can at black belt when that happens. And, uh, yeah, that's just about it. I think. No, that's Stay. awesome, man. No, I love it, man. No, I want to thank you very much for coming on the podcast. Um, we always like to leave our guests the last word, just thank any sponsorships or anything like that. Okay, sweet. So shout out Hyperflight Canada uh michael fly gets you 15 percent off all orders over 150 dollars i just posted about the powwow gi the powwow gi is absolutely astonishing it's uh it's a collaboration with a with an artist group and uh it's an unbelievable gi 
you know, and the price kind of reflects that it's more expensive, but it's a collector's piece. Get it, use a discount, 15% off. Um, who else we got? We got Float Toronto. They always tell me out. Uh, Float Toronto's on Queen West. It's like a float therapy. You can visualize them there. You can just get good skin therapy. There's a lot of benefits to the magnesium and the salt water in there. Uh, Loose Strength is another one. The guys always help me out. Uh, yeah, we're using his facilities and helping me achieve those goals. Um, therapy as well. He's an excellent resource for um, your visa Canada. He's the man if you have a visa need and uh, he's also the man anyways. Um, Roll Chasers. Uh, they were supposed to have a, an event in November for uh, kind of like what we're talking about, like getting local athletes all together and getting some local uh, uh, competitors, some, some prestige and some, not prestige, but some money to instruct and, and help the community. So that was going to be great. That's postponed for now. Look out for that. I'm um, going to forget one or two, but uh, shit. Uh, Toronto BJJ, obviously Josh um, helps me out like a crazy amount with tournaments and competing and, and getting me where I would like to go and finding a way to uh, support me if you can. And um, oh, ha, let me see. Let me see. Let me see. MSheehanBJJ.com. There we go. Dude, there we go. Yeah, MSheehanBJJ.com. Uh, I'm going to be posting a blog post this weekend talking about behavioral psychology and B2J and how you can trick people and stuff like that. It should be pretty cool. I'm looking forward to getting that out there. And if you disagree with me or anything like that, I would love to talk to you about it. Use that to reach me for privates or reach me for privates via Instagram, MC and JJ. Uh, and yeah, that's about it, man. Hit me up. I'm here to help. In the future, we'll do another podcast and then we'll do it in person. Maybe get a private. We'll actually teach Aaron some jiu-jitsu. It'd be great. <laughs> Let's do it. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> this is a sick podcast. You guys are both really cool guys. And uh, I like how it's like pretty open and, uh, you know, we can just chat. That's it. That's it, man. We're just trying to keep it fun. Talk about stuff that people don't want to talk about. And then all mostly jujitsu. So it's going to be good. No, I enjoyed the conversation today. Thank you so much for coming on. Appreciate it. Keep doing your thing, guys. Appreciate your, appreciate your time tonight. Thanks, Thanks bro. All right. Thanks, everybody. Have a good one.